chapter 33, verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Now, I will come back to this in a few moments, but I want to continue to share this morning on the subject of America and how America is our promised land. It is our promised land. Remember the children of Israel when they came to Kadesh Barnea and God was preparing them to enter on into the land of Canaan, a promised land, a land that was a good land, a land that flowed with milk and honey, a land that had houses they didn't build and wells they didn't dig and vineyards they didn't plant. That land had giants in it that had to be dealt with and that land had mountains in it that had to be conquered. That's why I know in my heart that Canaan land is not heaven. It's not heaven. Our promised land is not in heaven. There are no giants that have to be defeated in heaven. There are no mountains that have to be conquered in heaven. Our promised land, our Canaan land, is on this side of death. And that land has to be possessed. That land has to be believed for and stood for according to the promises and blessings of, of God. And just like Canaan had giants in it that intimidated the children of Israel, and just like Canaan land had mountains that were occupied by the ungodly that had to be dealt with by the godly, so it is in our promised land today. Saints, don't buy into the psychobabble of this generation. We are a blessed nation. We were privileged to be born in a country with houses we did not build, with wells we did not dig, with vineyards we did not plant, with roads that we didn't have to forge out of the, of the hills and countryside and hospitals and on and on I could go with a land that is a goodly land, a land that flows with milk and honey. However, just like the generation before us had to deal with giants in the land and obtain mountains, we're going to have to deal with some giants in the land and we need to obtain what previous generations or maintain what previous generations obtained. Freedom was bought and paid for with a high price and it has to be defended if we're going to remain a free, a free people. We will lose our promised land if we don't wake up soon. If we do not get back to the things that made us great and that caused us to be the most blessed nation in the history of the human race. In the 1960s, a lot of policy that was anti-Bible, a lot of people that were anti-virtuous, anti-moral, anti-God, rise to power within the culture. And in the 1960s, we saw a hostile government and a hostile legislation and legislators, a hostile Supreme Court toward the Bible and toward biblical principles and toward the things that made the country great. We saw the removal of prayer from the public schools. We've seen the removal of the Ten Commandments from the public schools. We've seen the attempt to remove God, the Bible, and God's righteousness from every public forum possible. Then we are shocked when we remove the light of the gospel, the light of God's word from a position or a venue in society. We are shocked and perplexed when darkness begins to rule and reign in the position that we once occupied with truth. With truth, we don't need to be in dismay about what's going on. We need to wake up 
about what's going on in our country. This nation was birthed in Judeo-Christian values and principles, not secular humanism. No matter how much rewriting occurs of history, the nation was birthed and founded on Judeo-Christian values and Judeo-Christian principles. The founding fathers envisioned a country where men would be and live free from tyranny and the rule of the ungodly. Christianity, biblical values and principles, and moral law would govern us as a people and keep us. The founders intended for godly principles to remain intimately involved in the political, judicial, and educational realms. They believed that only the godly would understand the unalienable freedoms provided by God and thus protect them in our form of government, and they never intended for Christian principles to ever be divorced from godly or public life. From public life. Again, when the godly depart from an arena, their godly values and principles depart with them. When the children of light vacate a position, then darkness invades. Proverbs 29.2 becomes the law of all of us. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Think about that. That's the scriptures. That's God's word. When the righteous rule... The people, not just Christians, the people rejoice when righteous people rule. When the ungodly rule, the people what? They groan. Again, I did not mean anything personal or toward President Obama in his person with the comments I made last week and will continue to make this week. It was Senator Obama that declared when he was in the United States Senate as a representative of the state of Illinois, he declared in the United States Senate that he believed and he declared that America is no longer a Christian nation. Then when he became president of the United States of America, the leader of the free world, he declared America is no longer a Christian nation. And there's not been a rebuttal to that. There's not been an answer to that. There's not been a counterattack to something that absurd and dangerous to be said by the President of the United States of America. What does he mean, America is no longer a Christian nation? Listen, and if we're not a Christian nation, then what are we? One has to come to the conclusion that if we're not a Christian nation, then we must be some other kind of nation, and I need someone to tell me and define what that is. Because I believe we are a Christian nation, we just aren't acting like it or voting like it. And I know what I mean by that, and I know what it means that we are a Christian nation. And I know the freedom that that brings because we are a Christian nation, and I know if we're not a Christian nation, we will lose our freedom. We will lose our liberty. No one debates whether India is a Hindu nation, Turkey is a Muslim nation, Poland is Catholic primarily and established in Catholicism. So what is America if America is not a Christian nation? Well, what I don't want it to be and pray it never becomes is a neo-pagan, hedonistic, rights without responsibilities, anti-family, anti-Bible, anti-baby, anti-God, and a culture of death. America. That's what we will be if we are no longer a Christian nation. That's what we will become if we are no longer a Christian nation. I believe with all of my heart we are a Christian nation and I want to explain what that is. What does that mean that we are a Christian nation? A recent Gallup 
poll showed that 84% of Americans strongly today believe in Jesus Christ. 84%. 94% believe in a God and that they are not Him. 94% believe there is a God and they are not Him. Only 6% of the population declares they are atheists. Now think about that. 94%. Now, while that is good, listen to me carefully, this is very important. While that is good, that is not what makes us a Christian nation. We are not a Christian nation because there are a majority of professed Christians in our country. That is not what makes us a Christian nation. Number two, we are not a Christian nation because of an established religion by the government or being a theocracy. We are not a a Christian nation because of a theocracy. We are not a Christian nation because of an established religion by the government. Thank God within our Constitution, Congress shall not, not pass a law establishing a religion legally, and one has to become that religion to be an American citizen. That will never happen by the grace of God, and I understand the wisdom in that. Again, we're not a Christian nation because of an established religion by the government or by being a theocracy. There is no law, nor shall there ever be a law, that forces you under the fear of penalty to become a Christian. No one has to become a Christian in this country or die. In other countries, that's not so. That's not so. No one has to adhere to any Christian theology. Because of Christianity and the founding fathers and because of the liberty and freedom we have, no one has to, under penalty of law, adhere to Christian theology. And all of our leaders do not have to be Christians by law. What is a Christian nation and why are we a Christian nation? We are a Christian nation because we were birthed as a nation by Christians and the founding fathers shaped and formed the country on the principles, the values, and morals of Scripture. Of Scripture. That's what makes us a Christian nation is we were birthed as a people by Christians seeking religious freedom and expression. There were people that fled their native land to seek out a land where they could establish and express their religion without fear of persecution or penalty of law. That is a good thing. That is a great thing. And that is our history. It cannot be rewritten. It cannot be violated. It cannot be overthrown by a people that know their history because it's because of the Christians that established and birthed this nation on biblical principles that we experience all this great prosperity and freedom and liberty that we have. The day we neglect our roots is the day we will implode. We will implode. I thank God that I live in a Christian nation. And the ungodly need to thank God that they live in a Christian nation. Because that's why you are free to not believe in God. To not believe in God. Our very government and form of government came out of the scriptures. Our form of government and all of our laws... And all of our republican forms of government, our constitution, and on and on I can go with even the direct declaration of independence, came from biblical values, biblical principles 
from the spirit of Christianity. Isaiah 33 verse 22. For the Lord is our judge. Everyone say judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. Everyone say lawgiver. And the Lord is our king. Everyone say king. He will save us. James Madison at the Constitutional Convention of 1787 proposed the plan to divide the central government into three branches and he declared he was inspired from this scripture. And that's where the judicial, the legislative, and the executive branches of the form of our government came from is the word of God, the scriptures, and the principles of Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct separate manifestations that work in unity. And he was inspired by the Word of God. He was inspired by the Scriptures to form one of the greatest constitutions to govern men that has ever been formed in the history of the world. He said, hey, we need a judicial system. We need a legislative system. And we need an executive branch. Because the Lord is judge, and the Lord is lawgiver, and the Lord is king. Let's be governed by men after that pattern of one but three. And they need to operate in unity, giving checks and balances one to another. Thus the judicial system, thus the legislative branch of of Congress, and thus the executive branch, the president. Thank God we don't have just one base of power that can give edicts or dictate to us how we are to live our lives or be punished. Or be punished. Our form of government is incredible, and the founders were incredible, and it is an awesome thing that they put together that has lasted now for over 200 years, and we would do well to take heed to our founding. We would do well to get back to the basic roots that brought all these great fruits of liberty under God. Listen to some of the quotes of the founding fathers. And while I don't want to give a history lesson, I'm telling you there's at least a generation out there that do not even know we have a constitution, have never read it, and have no idea of our history. Of our history. Listen to John Adams, second president of the United States of America, signer of the Declaration of Independence, one of the two signers of the Bill of Rights. Listen. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that then I believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. The second president of the United States of America knew that the governing principles of Christianity that established this government were immutable and they were unchangeable and as lasting as the very attributes of God himself. Listen to what John Adams said. And let's see if he would be accepted and loved and received on CNN. Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. What a utopia. What a paradise would this region be. Did you hear that? Did you see that? That doesn't sound like our national media today. That doesn't sound like the -the run-of-the-mill politician today. That doesn't sound like anything we hear in our culture today. That this man knew that if there was some distant region that would just take the Bible, the Bible, the Scriptures, and if they would govern their life by the principles of the Scripture, by the values and morals laid down in the Scriptures, that place would be a utopia. That place would become a paradise. Patrick Henry, 
governor of Virginia, revolutionary general, legislator, voice of liberty, ratifier of the U.S. United States Constitution. Listen, it cannot be emphasized too clearly and too often that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not one religion. Now, what? this is incredible. Not on religion, but on the gospel of the Lord Jesus or on Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. It is because we are a Christian nation. It is because of the love of God in our heart and the mercy of God in our heart and the goodness of heart in of God in people's hearts and the freedom and understanding of pure Christianity that you can't mandate someone to become a Christian. You can't force people to become a Christian at the end of a sword that it is a free will choice and it comes under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is by those principles that other faiths have asylum and have experienced prosperity and the freedom of worship that they experience. It's Christianity that preserves the freedom of even religion in our country. That's not true in Muslim countries. That's not true in other countries. Listen to this. Being a Christian is a character which I prize far above all this world has or can boast. The Bible is a book worth more than all other books that were ever printed. Can you imagine Patrick Henry saying that on ABC? Can you see him standing up on Oprah and saying the Bible is the most valuable and important book that has ever been printed? The great pillars of all government and social life are virtue, morality, and religion. This is the armor, my friend, and this alone that renders us invincible. It will not be an army that protects us and keeps our freedom ultimately. It will not be our numbers. It will not be government in and of itself that causes us to be invincible. It will be the virtues of God in the hearts of men and women throughout the country. It will be a moral base based in scriptures and in the Bible. It will be those that sell out to the things of God that will become an armor that will make us invincible. Once we give up virtue and morality and biblical principles, we are no longer secure and our freedoms are no longer secure. The great pillars, listen at this again, the great pillars, I'm, I'm doing this quote again, the great pillars of all government and social life are virtue, morality, and religion. This is the armor, my friend, and this alone that renders us invincible. John Jay, governor of New York, president of Congress, author of the Federalist Papers, original chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. This was the first chief justice on the United States Supreme Court. John Jay, the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts. I wonder if he would have been confirmed in the Congress. John Jay, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rules. And it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of a Christian or our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States of America, signer of the Declaration of the Independence, governor of Virginia, secretary of state. This president signed all presidential documents with this in the year 
of our Lord Christ. No legislation that he signed, no document was ever signed by Thomas Jefferson that he didn't sign it in the year of our Lord or the year of Christ. Again, Thomas Jefferson, I am a Christian in the only sense in which he wishes anyone to be sincerely attached to his doctrines in preference to all others. I'm a Christian by choice, not by mandate. I'm a Christian by choice, not by law. I'm a Christian by choice and wisdom. I have looked at all other doctrines, all other religions, and I've made the choice to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. That's what pleases God is free will to accept Christ. Thomas Jefferson said, I am a real Christian, and that is to say a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. James McHenry, revolutionary Officer, signer of the Constitution, Secretary of War under George Washington and John Adams. Listen to what a military man said, a founder of our country. Bibles are a strong protection. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses and at the same time enjoy quiet conscience. He said, man, we need Bibles stacked up everywhere. We need Bibles in our schools. We need Bibles on the Supreme Court justice's desk. We need Bibles in the legislature. We need Bibles in churches. We need Bibles everywhere because where Bibles abound, men can't pursue wicked courses and go to bed at night with a clear or clean conscience. Conscience. Robert Payne, military chaplain, signer of the Declaration of Independence, attorney general of Massachusetts. I believe the Bible to be the written word of God and to contain in it the whole rule of faith and matters. Benjamin Rush, signer of the Declaration of Independence, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, father of modern medicine. Listen, father of public schools under the Constitution. Father of the public school system under the Constitution. Let's see if he would have been an outstanding member of NEA today. I do not believe that the Constitution was the offspring of inspiration But I am as satisfied that it is as much the work of divine providence as any of the miracles recorded in the Old or New Testament. People hate the Constitution today or trying to destroy the Constitution today. The father of the public school systems believed that the Constitution was not just inspired by God, wasn't just inspired by men, wasn't just a good idea even under God. He believed it was as much a miracle as any miracle recorded in scripture. Listen to what he said again. This is incredible. The only means of establishing and perpetuating our republican forms of government is the universal education of our youth in the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. That's a founding father. The Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. George Washington, first president of the United States of America, member of the Continental Congress. He was a judge, commander-in-chief of the Continental Army, father of the country. That cannot be written and rewritten again. He is the father of our country. Listen to this. The propitious. The propitious. Now, I know this is is a quote from another generation because no one talks like that today. I had to make sure I went over and over the propitious. I don't, I don't use that in my everyday vernacular, and I've never heard one of you say the propitious. It means favorable. It means favorable. The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. 
Again, George Washington. Let's see if he would run around the country and run around the world saying what we hear today. Let's see what he would say to the world. You do well to wish to learn our arts and way of life. And above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. Daniel Webster, tremendous politician, U.S. Senator, Secretary of State, Defender of the Constitution. Daniel Webster. The Christian religion, its general principles, must ever be regarded among us as the foundation of civil society. Second quote. To the free and universal reading of the Bible, men are much indebted for right views of civil liberty. If you don't know the Bible, you will have a wrong view of civil liberty. The Word of God is the rudder that gives us the right view of civil liberty. Daniel Webster. The Bible is a book which teaches man his own individual responsibility, his own dignity, and his equality with his fellow man. That's incredible. The Bible and the Word of God alone teaches every one of us our individual responsibility. Why are we so amazed that there's a generation out there that won't take personal responsibility for anything? Why do we think and are we amazed that there's a generation that there's such an entitlement mentality we are going to implode? We are going to implode. Why won't people take personal responsibility for their lives? Why won't they take personal responsibility for their families? And and, and for their extended family? And for their actions and for their conduct? Because when you remove the Word of God from a culture, when you remove God's principles and God's precepts from a culture, you remove light and darkness invades where the light once dwelt. And people now are blinded by darkness. And it's a sad condition that happens to man when there's no God in his life. When there's no God in his life. Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States of America. Member of the U.S. House of Representatives of Illinois, 7th District. The truth announced in scriptures and proves by all history is that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Wow. That's a quote. Noah Webster, one of my favorite people of all time. And the reason I love him is because today in the national media, today on every political front that we face, if you believe in the Bible, if you go to church, if you believe in absolutes, if you believe in absolute truth, if you believe that this is the inspired word of God and it is to govern our hearts and lives and our government, you are a kook. You are a freak. You are ignorant and unlearned and Maybe you may be even a redneck if you read the Bible. We live in a world that I'm telling you, the elite are coming into power at an unprecedented rate. They consider anyone that is not from their area of the world and that thinks any different than they think to be ignorant and unlearned. Yet Noah Webster and the things he had to say about the Bible are incredible and the dude wrote the dictionary. That's a pretty smart guy. Let's see what he said. Let's see how he, would, how he would fare on the national news if interviewed. The religion which has introduced civil liberty is the religion of Christ and his apostles. This is genuine Christianity and this we owe our free constitutions of government. I got three amens. And I'm in a safe environment here. I'm not leaving these four walls after the day. Do you realize that the first 
public figure that introduced true civil liberty and civil rights was Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Well, if we're a Christian nation, how can we be a Christian nation? Look at what we've done over here and look at what we've done over there. And look at this fruit and that fruit. How many of you know that we all have to come to grips with and have to deal with and at times grapple with individuals that claim to be Christians and yet they have a lack of fruit in their lives and they do things that we know are not Christian things but what makes them a Christian is not the fruit. What makes them a Christian is the root in their heart of Jesus Christ and in time if they will yield, they will bear fruit. What makes us a Christian nation is not how we're acting right now, that's for sure. It's the root of Jesse that over 200 years ago was sown in a people's heart and in a government that makes us a Christian nation. we got to get back to our roots in order to prosper and to survive in this hour. Noah Webster, the moral principles and precepts found in scriptures ought to be the form. Listen, this is, this is just incredible. The moral principles... And precepts found in scriptures, that's the Bible, ought to form the basis of all our civil constitution and laws. Any law that's passed that's not rooted in biblical morality, virtue, and principles will in time persecute, afflict, and imprison, and in some cases history shown us execute the good people. We sit here, and I stand amazed. Iran has this election. It's a bogus election. There's an uproar of the people. And those who protested that election just a few months ago, the leaders were all executed by the government. And we think that can't happen to us? we got to wake up. We've got to wake up. This one's incredible. Next quote, Noah Webster. The evils which man suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. When we get away from the Bible, we will see injustice like we've never seen. When we get away from the Bible, the Word of God, the principles of the Word of God, then everything begins to collapse. Noah Webster. The Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under free government ought to be instructed. No truth is more evident than that the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. Did y'all hear that? You didn't hear it. We're going to try it again. Now remember, Noah, Noah Webster was the schoolmaster to America. Noah Webster was the schoolmaster to America. Here's what he said. The Christian religion is the most important. And one of the first things in which all children under free government ought to be instructed. No truth is more evident than that the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. My goodness. That's incredible. That's incredible. Noah Webster, the Christian religion. Now, picture him on CNN. Picture him on CBS, ABC, and he's being interviewed. Noah Webster. Here's, here's, how do you feel about religion and the religious right? Noah Webster. The Christian religion 
is the basis or rather the source of all genuine freedom in government. I am persuaded that no civil government or a republican form can exist and be durable in which the principles of Christianity have not a controlling influence. <laughs> oh my God, did you hear that preacher these past two weeks? He's a part of the religious right. The religious right birthed this nation. The religious right formed the government that has brought this prosperity and freedom that is the envy of the world. Yeah, but these religious right, those of the religious right, they are dangerous to the country. That's said every day. And it goes unchallenged. It goes unchecked. You know what? They might be right. We are a danger and a threat to a government that wants to become immoral, ungodly, pagan, hedonistic, anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-family, anti-church, anti-preacher. We are a major threat, a major mega threat to ungodliness. And for ungodliness to rule and enslave the masses, we must be silenced. And the reason I know it's a serious day in America is because any message like this causes a mass exodus out of so-called churches throughout the country. I pastor one of the greatest churches on the planet, and people have already quit. And I haven't said a word yet about the Democrats. I haven't said a word yet about the coattail run and, and hide Republicans. I haven't said a word yet about a Congress that can be bought with your money about bribe. The mob has nothing on this government and the way it's existing. Senators being bought for votes. Ultimate corruption right in front of you. And you're not upset about that. But you're upset at me when I quote the founding fathers. Like I made this stuff up. I'm not smart enough to make this stuff up. Well, finally got an agreement out of every one of you. Thank you very much. Go to Matthew chapter 13. What is wrong? What has happened? How can I stand up and declare us to be a Christian nation and be persecuted? How can I stand up and quote the founding fathers verbatim and people get up and walk out? Something's bad wrong. Matthew chapter 13. Here's what's wrong. Here's what happened. Matthew chapter 13 verse 24. Another parable put forth... Or he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. How does the kingdom of God work? Is the kingdom of God real? Is the Bible the inspired word of God or not? Are we Christians or not? Do we have Christ in us, the hope of glory or not? Has the kingdom come or not? The kingdom doesn't come over here or over there. You don't say low here or low there. The kingdom of heaven is where? It's in you. It's in me. The kingdom of heaven is in me. Now, how do I get that kingdom that is inside of me into my world? How do I get the kingdom, the rule of Christ, the king of glory into my everyday life? How do I get it into my city? How do I get it into my county? How do I get it into my state? How do I get it into my nation? It's like sowing seed. I have to sow seed. So if I want the nation, the county, our city, 
your marriages, your homes to reflect the kingdom. How do I do that? I have to sow good seed. What's the good seed? The Word of God. The principles of God. The ways of God. And they're seeds. And i got to sow good seeds. And if I sow good seeds and sow good seeds and sow good seeds and the good seed gets in your heart and the good seed takes root, the good seed in time will bear much fruit. How do we get the kingdom into our city? we got to sow some seeds. And they got to be good seeds. And you got to keep sowing. How many of you know you can't sow one year, get a great harvest of great seeds, and then, and then quit? That's what he says in the next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 25. But while men slept... His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. We've gone asleep. That's what's wrong. We've been asleep. We've been asleep in our churches playing church. We've been asleep in our churches playing politics. We've been asleep in our church arguing and fussing and fighting over the color of the carpet. While the enemy... Has been working overnight sowing seeds. He's sowing seeds. He's sowing seeds. What kind of seeds are he sowing? Ungodly, immoral, no virtue, no Bible whatsoever. No scripture whatsoever. No scriptural principle whatsoever. We went to sleep. That's what happened. In the 60s, we just bailed out. The church just bailed out. And when the church bailed out, the ungodly got in. And we're suffering the toll of a lack of biblical principles, a lack of virtue. We got corruption on every front because the kingdom and the good people of the kingdom quit sowing seeds. And we thought we could just go to sleep and everything be okay. We thought we could just smoke dope and sing Beatles songs and... Sorry, that's not a good illustration. It's kind of offensive to three-fourths of you. Wait till the next service. Dragging out of bed at 1045 to get here. Man, I done, I done started messing up. I'm doing good earlier. What, what's wrong? We're asleep. Think about it. Think of how many people are intimidated by the giants in the land. And if you think there aren't giants in the land that intimidate any voice of morality, any voice of virtue, any voice, go on the Oprah show and say, you know what, Oprah? The Bible says. The What? Go on any of the alphabet stations and, and see if you can talk about God. See if you can talk about morals. See if you can talk about virtues. See if you can talk about a biblical principle and they not, not curl their... The, you read the Bible? You, you go to church? That's where we're at. How'd that happen? How come we've got kids that are so rude in this generation and they, they can't sit in a seat and they disrespect their teachers and they bring guns and shoot the teacher and the fellow? You take God out, you take prayer out, you take principles of the kingdom out, you've got a gigantic void for the enemy to sow tares. The problem's not the generation. The problem is the church. The preachers are sleepwalking still today. They're not even speaking out. Because if you get anywhere near what I'm saying, there'll be a mass exodus out of your church even. We are in a serious hour. And if we do not wake up and turn this ship around soon, it's possible it may never be turned around and I don't want to be sitting on my porch looking at my grandkids going, 
Oh, it was so wonderful. It used to be so wonderful. You could actually get in a car and go anywhere in the country you wanted to and not be accused of global warming and destroying the planet. You used to could make a living. You could work hard and you got your money and it was your property. You had personal property rights and it was your property and they couldn't take it away unless we voted on it, unless we agreed on it, unless we decided that's how much we choose from our heart to give back because there was a day that we all understood that the government cannot create a job. They cannot create wealth. They confiscate our wealth. There was a day we got to keep our paycheck. There was a day we got to keep our farms. There was a day that we would fail and we knew it was just us. What a great day that we could be a jerk, but we were free to be a jerk. And we could be a a misfit, but we were free to be a misfit. And we could live a failed life, but at least it was our fault. Now you're going to fail because you will be punished and you will be impugned and you will be attacked. And cause to fail. You show me a government in the history of the world. You show me people in power in the history of the world, America included, where they said enough power's enough, enough money's enough, enough taxation is enough. You can't find one historical fact where a government willfully said enough is enough, we will not take but this much and no more. This government has an insatiable. Hunger for power and wealth and greed and to control your life. And thank God for at least a few more months, we are free, free indeed to say, no, we will not go on Uncle Sam's plantation. We will not be slaves to any man but Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ, that day is leaving. That day is leaving. It's time. It's time to get a backbone. It's time to not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't allow them to intimidate you and censor your speech. Don't allow government to censor your speech or your thoughts. Political correctness is nothing but Censoring speech and thought. I thank God I was born in a country where at least for a season, just a little longer, by the grace of God, I can speak what's in my heart without fear of penalty, imprisonment, or execution. I declare we are a Christian nation. It is time we act like it. We vote like it. We think like it. We think like it. At a minimal, President Obama declared at least philosophical war on the founding fathers when he declared we are no longer a Christian nation. Because if we're no longer a Christian nation, what are we and what will we become? I thank God for the pilgrims. I thank God for the founding fathers. They weren't any more perfect than we're perfect. They made mistakes. They fell short. But they gave us a land that flows with milk and honey. They gave us a land of plenty and of prosperity. A land that I was born in a land 
with houses I did not build and wells I did not dig and vineyards I did not plant. They obtained a land of plenty and I'm just trying to maintain what was given into my hands. I want to be faithful to the generation before me that died and suffered to bring me the liberty and freedom to at least preach what I just preached. Thank God and thank God for the founding fathers. Go to Joshua. Joshua chapter 14, because God raised up a nation, the nation of Israel, to show us how to possess lands, to teach us and to show us principles and precepts, and why we're not under the theology of the Old Testament law. Man, I need to say that again. We're not under the theology of the Old Testament law. We're under New Testament grace. But there were principles and precepts that God used Israel to teach us that would bring prosperity into our lives and into generations to come. Look at what Caleb said in Joshua 14, verse 10. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. That's 85 years old. Now, look at what he said. At 85... Man, we need some of you at 85 to stand up. Watch this, verse 11. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now. Why? For war, both to go out and to come in. I'm as strong at 85 as I was at 40, and the reason God kept me strong was to fight. And the reason God kept me strong was to go out and to come in. Thank God we still live in an hour where our war is not a natural war. Our war is not with natural weapons and to be one with natural weapons. But if you think this country is not under assault and that there's not a spiritual battle going on, you are grossly deceived and you are in the darkness and God needs to open the eyes of your understanding and you and I must fight for our country. We must fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. The fight that is rooted and grounded in the Word of God and the principles and precepts of God. They had to fight for their land. You're going to have to fight for yours. They had to fight for their land. You're going to have to fight for yours. Thank God our warfare is not with flesh and blood. Thank God we still live in an hour where the spiritual keys of the kingdom that I'm going to teach you can help us regain our, our promised land. There may come a day that we just have to, like the children of Israel, go off into captivity crying. If we think this nation can't collapse, we've got to wake up. If we think we can't be taken off into captivity, we haven't read the Scriptures. God's people, when they disobeyed God, they forsook His principles and His morals and His, His conduct of life. Every time they forsook Him, over a generation, it took usually a generation, they were taken off into captivity. That is our destiny without God. That is our destiny Without a revival. That is our destiny without a political awakening. Do you know the national media is in a frenzy right now. And they can't understand this phenomena called Sarah Palin. <laughs> it is not a great mystery. It's a great mystery to them in their, in their towers of elitism. In their high mindedness and arrogance. But it is no mystery to us that are out here in everyday America. The excitement that she's creating. The ground swell support that is blowing everybody's mind is simply the lady is authentic. She's one of us and she has biblical principles. 
I'm not saying she's right. I don't know her that well. But I, I would love to have her as my vice president if I ever run. She's awesome. Why are they so afraid of her? Why is she attacked? And the National Organization for Women is silent. Why are they silent? Because I've told you for years why they're silent. They're not for women. They're not for women progressing in the, in the workplace and in government and in society. They're for a certain kind of woman. And she doesn't fit the mold. She's just one of us. A hunter. And I honor the hunters today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. She gets up every day like you and I get up every day and works hard. She believes in personal responsibility. Where'd she get that? There's a novel idea. Maybe the Bible. Because the Bible teaches individual responsibility. Amen. And I could just go on and go on on how simple it is, but they can't see it. Why? They think every one of us are just so ignorant and unlearned and stupid. And if they don't take care of us, we can't get up. You know, I'm trying not to get an attitude. I hope, I hope you hear my heart. I'm trying not to get an attitude, but I don't need their help. Look at the next verse, verse 12. Now, therefore, Caleb speaking, now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day? For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. And if you're going to take mountains and you're going to slay giants, you better have the Lord with you in this day. You better have the Lord with you in this day. He said, if the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said, we can't drive the ungodly out. We can't drive the immoral out. We can't drive the corruption out without the Lord being with us. We got to get right with God. He said, if, if the Lord be with me, I can drive them out. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephna, Hebron for an inheritance. Listen to me. In every promised land, we're given a mountain as an inheritance. Every one of you, I have been given an inheritance in my promised land. I have an assignment by God in my promised land. And you have an assignment by God in your promised land. And God has given me a mountain. And I am to take that mountain for the glory of God. And I am to be faithful to my assignment and drive any enemies of that mountain off that mountain by the grace of God through simple childlike faith. And God's given you an inheritance and a mountain, and you have to be faithful to your inheritance, to your assignment in this world. In this world. There are basically seven mountains that govern all culture. All culture. And at one time, God dwelt on these mountains. And God is a mountain-dwelling God. He always meets with His people at the top of the mountain. God wants to be on top of the mountain. And these seven, these seven mountains are cultural mountains. They shape the culture. And Christians have to wake up and they have to invade these mountains. They have to fulfill the will of God in their life. we got to mobilize the saints. I've been teaching you for 23 years for such a day as this. And we've got to mobilize the saints and get them in their assignment. And get them out there in their mountains taking mountains for Jesus. The first mountain is the business community. That's a mountain. And because of ungodly principles in the business community and corruption, we see the fall of our financial system. 
It's no mystery why the financial mountain is collapsing. It's corruption, greed, and ungodliness. We need some people in the business community to know you are called by God to take that mountain. Then there's the mountain of government. No mountain is affecting culture more than, than government this hour right now. That mountain is shaping the culture. And God has assigned many of you and called many of you to take that mountain. You're supposed to run for city council. You're supposed to run for mayor. You're supposed to get on the school board. You're supposed to get involved. You're called. It's an assignment. <laughs> Education is a mountain. And this church is full of educators, full of the Word of God. You've got to take that mountain. You need to start praying for your school and the assignment God's put you in. And you need equipped, and I need to teach you more keys on how to take that mountain for the glory of God. Entertainment is a mountain. Arts and entertainment. How many of you know, in the 50s, the Christians started bailing out of the entertainment world. And look at what's happening. In 1950-something, they wouldn't even film Elvis from the waist down. And I think that, that's a little legalistic. But look at where we've come from. You won't film Elvis from the waist down. Now we can't find an actor to keep their clothes on. Some of you are called into the entertainment world. You have an assignment by God. You need to start creating some films that are family friendly. You need to start creating some films that document where life begins. We got to take a mountain. And I'm going to teach you how to take mountains. How many of you know that family is a mountain? It shapes culture. And I'm called as a secondary call to that mountain. Religion is a mountain. And for 27 years full time, I've been faithful taking my mountain, taking my mountain, taking my mountain. And making sure we drive out religion and make sure the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is dominating our hearts and our lives. Our life. How many of you know the media is a mountain? 27 years ago, I wish I'd have kept the tape. I lament not having that tape. 27 years ago, I did a tape. The national media, the Goliath of our day. 27 years ago, I preached that the media was the greatest threat to this country because of their propaganda and their unwillingness to bring us information. See, you can't even exercise an intelligent vote without accurate information. And the media dominated the culture for so long. We're seeing a change on that mountain. Thank God for Fox. They're whipping your glutus maximus. And Fox, and Fox isn't conservative. It's got some conservative commentary on it, but they're not conservative. But yet the liberal media, who says they're not liberal and have been declaring for 27 years of my full-time ministry, they are not liberal, and many of you are so deceived by them, you think they're not liberal. That now it's all coming to light, and you're seeing it. Do you realize I'm not that old, and I remember when Nixon, when Nixon came against the media, the uproar of the whole country? That I dare a president say something about the media. The media is here to hold you accountable, Nixon. The media is here to hold what you're saying and check fact and fact check what you're saying and get information to the American people. I dare you say something negative about the national media. And yet we have a president that attacked Fox personally and there was no upcry about it. This is a serious day. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. Man, I do pray I'll be sitting on my, on my porch talking to my grandchildren one day and saying, we almost lost our country, but God saved us. For God is judge, lawgiver, and king, and he will save us through his people 
If his people will just wake up. If his people will do what God called them to do and take the mountain God's assigned them to, we can turn this around for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Man, I want you to pray for me because, again, it burns in my heart. I want to be spiritual about this, but I just, I just, I just wish I could call Sarah Palin and say, would you just come and stand in my pulpit so I can just stick the knife in and twist it? In the national media. Because I loathe their lying. I loathe their agenda. And propaganda. That have destroyed our country. All you need is the truth. And if you'll get the truth. And if you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you.